we're just about to start. So we're letting people arrive. We've got um, about 80 people so far. There's seven of us on the panel here. Ah, people from all over here, Holland, Austria, Austria, Northern Ireland, Detroit, Oregon, Yorkshire. That's where I'm from. Alaska, Ooh, Cambridge. So we're up to 100 now. We'll just wait a bit more, a few more minutes, and then I'll get the uh, panelists to introduce themselves just briefly. It's all an experiment. We haven't done this before. And we had a big argument just before we started. <laughs> or was that just in my no-head? <laughs> oh, we've started. Oh. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Let's get at it. Oh. <laughs> okay, so we're going to introduce ourselves. So, Amir, do you want to say just something about you and then we'll go around? Yeah. Uh, my name is Amir. I've been involved in contemplating or seeing for a few years now. And I live here in London. Okay, great. Jade? Hi. <laughs> I was introduced um, to the Headless Way by Amir uh, maybe three or four months ago. And yeah, I'm also from London. <laughs> um, so, yeah. hi. Brilliant. Okay. And uh, John? Hi there, I'm John. I live near Oxford in the UK and um, next December it'll be half a century of seeing who I am. <laughs> I, met, I met Douglas uh, when I was 21. 57. <laughs> All right, thank you. Uh, Hank, you're in the middle there for me. Hi, I'm Hank. I live in Portland, Oregon in the States. And I've been enjoying headlessness for a number of years. Highly recommended. <laughs> okay. Uh, Judy. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm in South Wales in the UK, in the Gower Peninsula, near Swansea. And uh, I think I can talk uh, John's. Uh, I met Douglas in 1968. So that is a, a good number of years ago. And on and off, I've been enjoying the Headless Way ever since. Um, and uh, I think the most important thing to remember is it's new every day for everybody. Brilliant. Thank you, Judy. Karen? Hi, everyone. Hi, I'm in uh, the Netherlands, Lelystad, a little place nobody knows. Um, except a few friends here and uh, I discovered the Headless Way about nine years ago I think and uh, after a long search of decades and uh, it brought me home within a few weeks at least straight away but I realized uh, this was the end of the search um, it took, that took me a few weeks ever since um, it has been the center of my life Brilliant. So if you've got questions, use the Q&A. Uh, Jade and Amir in particular are going to keep an eye on that um, rather than chat because the chat just gets sort of more or less lost after, you know, it's moving so fast. All right. So questions in the Q&A, but I'll just start 
kick off by uh, just raising a question. So what does the Headless Way do for you? These are all my friends. Uh, so I'm very happy to hang out with them. We all share seeing uh, it, we're all equal in the space as we are with you too. Uh, well, let me just kick us off by saying, just notice you can't see your own head, everybody. And in fact, you could just point. So I'm going to point, you know, it's a very good way of bringing our attention to what we're on about, which is the place you're looking out of where you don't see your face. Instead, you see the finger in the world. And there's, there's, uh, that is it. And uh, so that's what we're on about. That's what we're celebrating and sharing. And that's what we've all got in common. And we've all got different reactions to it. So, John, what is uh, seeing who you really are doing for you at the moment? These days, as it were, what's, what comes out of the void when I ask that question? Okay, so, uh, <clears throat> so whatever I'm doing, okay, uh, I see these hands um, moving around, I see my legs, I see my body, I see all the world passing through me. Uh, when I'm driving a car, the road's flowing into this space. And uh, I play a lot of football, okay, uh, since retiring. I play six hours of football and basketball uh, <clears throat> a week. And it's amazing when you're, when you're um, <clears throat> well, still, I'm still, and my, but I see my arms and I see the other bodies and people arise from here and from there and the ball whizzes past and it's all action in this still central space, okay. And uh, that's what life's like for me, and it's great fun. And it's especially fun sharing. Thank you, John. Amir and Jade, any questions uh, that we should address, do you think? Um, yeah, there's a question. Once one understands, just a quick technical one, is this going to be recorded? And yes, it's being recorded. Um, but a headless question is once one understands or gets the experiments, headless experiments, can the experience be deepened in any way? Or is there nothing more to be, I'm not sure it's meant to say seen or deepened? Yeah, deepened. Deepened, all right, great. All right, okay. So uh, I can see everyone on the panel. So just put your hand up if you want to respond to that. Can the experience be deepened? All right, Judy. Well, I was going to say something to the, uh, you know, what does it do for you as well? Because I was thinking that what I'm doing here, sitting here, is actually waiting for something to pop into this mind in answer to the question. And this is the deepening part, because not all that long ago, I would have been totally freaked out at the thought of doing this, completely paralyzed at the thought of being here and trying, as I thought it would be, to think of something intelligent to say and desperately worried that I might appear completely sick and useless. And that is not happening, which is a really great relief. And uh, it began happening. I know I said that I, um, I, I met others and saw this for the first time won't tell you how many years ago. You've, hopefully you've forgotten what John said. But I found that this, the shyness, the um, self-consciousness did begin to dissipate straight away. And it also began uh, a process of getting more confident um, at speaking and 
in public and being um, okay at not knowing an intelligent or clever thing to say uh, and just waiting for this clarity here to come up with something hopefully relevant. So that is one of the things that has it's made a, a huge difference to my life. And there are other things we might get around to later. Okay. And Amir and Jay, do feel free just to jump in with any questions because we can always come back to some of these things. So another question is there, do you think? Yeah, yeah. Uh, whoop, Jade, you're you're uh, you're toxic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening. But the question is, have you found the experience of seeing to be more continuous over the years from Samuel? Okay. More continuous over the years. Who'd like to answer that one? All right, uh, Karen, I can see everyone, and Karen just raised her hand, so you're on. I'm on, yes, continuous. So um, I think what happened for me is that I'm, I'm remembering it more often. It's always, you know, that in a way there is no con continu continuity, continuity. There is no continuous thing, because as Judy said, or John said already, um, it has to happen each moment, so there you can't see by memory or anything. But what can happen is, uh, especially in moments uh, that are difficult or stressed or, you know, uh, yeah, life is really not pleasant or whatsoever, is, is that I remember it quicker and I can reassure you, and this experiment, just putting my hands behind my head is one of my favorite experiments actually maybe since uh since you're all there maybe we, we can all do it together just seeing your hands and uh, slowly moving them behind your head and then seeing for myself again proving for myself that these hands really disappear into into a nothing and in this nothing, everything dissolves, the stress, the problems, even my person. And uh, to remember this quicker and to, to, to help myself see, especially doing an experiment, that creates for me a continuity, um, whatever, you know what I mean. A continuum, kind of continuum experience. Thank you. Oh, Hank, yes. Yes, I found the frequency of noticing that I can't see my own face increases. Uh, similar to what Karen's saying, uh, happens more often. I remember more readily. It's not continuous because it doesn't necessarily mean I'm remembering for longer periods of time or or that it remains continuous throughout the day, but the frequency increases. And, and there are times where the frequency is, the intervals between remembering and forgetting are so short that it seems more continuous. Okay, John, and then we'll look at another question. All right. Thank you. What I find is uh, two things going on here. One is uh, you're noticing you can't see uh, your own face and you're noticing this, this vastness here. 
And that doesn't happen all the time because you're busy doing stuff and you're thinking about stuff and stuff's happening. But what does happen all the time uh, for me, I would report, is a change of identity. I may not be thinking about the experiments or thinking about this amazing space and the contents and the well-being inside me, all those things, but my identity is this capacity. That is my identity. That's what I, I relate to, rather than uh, relating to John, who I also am for the world, of course, but it's a shift, a shift of identity, which is there all the time for me. Thanks. Great, thanks. Uh, Jada or Amir, any questions there you see that stand out? Um, the headless way, two-way seeing, which I suppose is this experiment, looking out colors and shapes at the same time as looking in the emptiness or void. Is there also two-way feeling and two-way thinking? I'll briefly answer then, you know, if someone else wants to. Yes, absolutely. The, the visual is a way in, uh, you, you asking the question, who am I? So you look, and you look to see what you are, and I find no face here, I find space for the world. And then I pay attention to sounds, and the sounds are happening in the silence here, that's sound to silence, thoughts to no thoughts, uh, sensations in the absence. So you, once you get into the void, then you look out into all the senses. I get more aware of my body, my sensations and my thoughts, uh, not less. So the two-way question, yeah, anyone else want to respond to that? I think of it as two-way attention. That's kind of the, the umbrella term that I use for myself. And that encompasses feelings, thoughts, what I'm seeing visually, what I'm hearing, and when I use the term seeing, I guess I use it as an umbrella term, similarly, to encompass thoughts, feelings, sensations. That's all seeing. Seeing is not something I'm doing with my eyes. Seeing is something that I'm doing with my attention. And I just use the word seeing to categorize that or to, uh, or to encompass it. Thank you. Thank you. And just to, uh, before uh, Amir comes with another question, just to say that what we're sharing here is uh, just being aware of this open space we're looking out of. And uh, we're absolutely convinced you're looking out the same openness, but you've got a different view out. So this is a kind of a meeting of equals, really. Yeah. So Amir? Um, there's a few really great questions coming in, but I wonder if this is a good one just to start with, in case there's more than one person who has it. Uh, saying that they and their boyfriend have just joined uh, and they don't know much about it. Can you describe the concept a little bit? Very good. All right. Okay, Judy. Well, I, I really don't think we can describe the concept. I think that is something to get really straight immediately because it's not a concept. There are concepts which come from this experience, but First and foremost, it's definitely a, an experience, something you notice. And in my case, it is firmly embedded in seeing, the sense of sight, the vision, um, visionary sense, and um, noticing that what's looking is not a thing here. 
when I look to see what might be here, I don't find any kind of thing. I find all those things out there at this moment, the faces on the screen and the room and all the colors and shapes. But here, where my attention, as Hank said, is coming from, is transparency. Transparency. Emptiness or, or uh, nothingness or God or whatever you want to call it. You know, the source, I should say. It's a well-known fact that all those words can't be described. You can't put them into words. You can only point, point as we just did, point in both directions, point this way. And we talk a lot, we, we all talk a lot, but what we're actually doing is describing as best we can our own experience or pointing to our own experience, knowing that other people have the same experience. And are, tr and are trying to talk about it. But to put the, the experience into words, I don't think is possible. I'm going to jump in and just respond to that and just say, well, when you're looking at my face, notice you can't see your own face at the same time. And uh, even though you feel sensations, be aware of the sensations, they don't actually make up a visible face in the way of my face. So we call this face to no face. Uh, I am built open for you, you're built open for me. This is so practical. I mean, it's so obvious. I can't see my face. I'm looking at my face on the screen, but I don't have one here. And I'm built open. And uh, the space itself is neutral, but in, with respect to relationships, it's profoundly welcoming. I have your face now instead of my own. I, I am room for you. This is a beautiful, respectful, loving thing and we all need to wake up to this i would say and uh, balance the objective view which is face to face where we're separate which is all true balance that with our actual experience which was we're built open for each other i mean that needs to get around we're built open for each other i am you you know we this needs to come onto the front burner in the species in society i feel very strongly <laughs> All right. Ah, Karen. Yeah, and uh, I like the question, the concept, because uh, why I fell for the headless way that uh, it's uh, the greatness about it is the experiments and there are no concepts at all. There's so many uh, spiritual approaches that try to bring something across through concepts and you either believe them or you don't believe them or you try to understand them or you know you meditate for weeks uh, or years over them and maybe get an inkling but but, but these experiments uh, that that goes further than uh, than any verbal uh, concept you just look and uh, you look and you see, and the only problem is to leave your memory and your assumptions uh, behind and have this fresh childish look and to see what's actually on show. So that's what I love so much about this approach. Thank you, Karen. Any other questions, Amir or Jade? What advice do you, uh, would you have for a 10-year-old just learning the headless way? Well, what do you think, Jade? Well, um, <laughs> okay. Um, I would say 
like um, what Judy was saying, it's more nonverbal and like doing the exercises and point, noticing where you're looking from is kind of the key. Instead of trying to explain it with words, it's more just to emphasize that it's, it's experience. Perfect. <laughs> yes, Karen. Yes, for a ten-year-old, I would I would say just have fun with it. You know, the here here where you don't see your head, you can be anything. So uh, start playing uh, whatever you like. And uh, who says it's not true? There's nobody who can say it's not true because for you at that moment you can be anything it's not of course the responses that you will get from uh, society or the people around you but uh, for yourself it, you can play lovely lovely with uh, being headless judy i would think that a 10 year old is much nearer to, to this experience than, than we older people who've got so many more ideas about what we are and what we look like and that the best benefit to a 10 year old is to do the experiments and say, yeah, you're right that, like that, and don't let anybody put you off. I think, I also think it, it's part of life and very uh, absolutely essential that uh, we should learn to see ourselves as other people see us, even though that causes us a load of problems. It also undoes a lot of problems too, which of living with other people. So it's in, it's a very absolutely essential part of the process of one's journey. It's, it's journey these days, isn't it? We're all on journeys. But the ten-year-old is so near to have been in that blessed state of being open all the time, but that of a small child, and I'm sure hasn't forgotten. So yeah, great. But. Getting ahead is also part of it. Jane. In other words, recognizing that that's what other people make of you, and they have a view, and to, to take account of that fact that you will have an appearance for other people. Thank you, Judy. Sorry, I interrupted. John, you were a headmaster for years. What do you think? Okay, children get it easier than adults. But they also move on quicker. So they will, uh, you know, they will get it, but they're, and they're interested in the next thing that's going to happen because they haven't had a whole life of convincing themselves that they are what they look like. They haven't had a life of, in imagination, going outside and looking back at themselves and feeling kind of, you know, trapped and embarrassed and on show and looked at. So they perhaps don't have the motivation that adults might have to find that liberation again. And it's probably worth you know, mentioning that, that when one is with a, uh, a very young child, you know, a baby, you've only got to, to look at their face and you can see that they're absolutely wide open and they have no concept. If you look at a baby looking at their hand, they just see it drift across as a thing in the world. It's the thing in the world. But they don't realise that they are a thing in the world. And even when they see themselves in the mirror, they see the baby out there in the mirror. And they sometimes try to go around the back of the mirror and, and find this child, you know, to play with. So children 
get it easier, but they move on uh, because they're less motivated than possibly than we are. Thank you, John. Brilliant. Uh, I think there's lots of great questions. Amira and Jay, do, do you, uh, this is yeah. fantastic to having all these questions. Thank you. Yeah, really great questions. So apologies if uh, we don't get to all of them. I'll do my best to potentially initially pick ones that have the broadest, that I'm going to assume have the broadest interest. But this seems to have been voted up, so I'm understanding that people can vote certain questions up. So there's a question here from Maria. I was wondering if you could elaborate how using the headless way can evoke happiness or joy. I've struggled a lot in my spiritual journey, but been attracted to the headless way because I understand how to manipulate my perspective through the headless technique. But I don't understand how to use that to invite happiness or joy. Great question. Great question. I'm going to just rep uh, respond quickly. On the one hand, I don't think it is about sort of going for results, but we all want results, of course. But I would say for me, it's basically about finding out the truth about me. But we're all complicated and, you know, I want to, to feel good and feel loved and loving. And I think that if you practice the headless way with people and see you're out of the way and you're face to no face, this is the basis of love. And, uh, well, there are, I, I'm going to hand it over in a moment, but there are a million ways in which this awareness who you really are blesses you. But you've got to do it. And you've got to do it through the times when it doesn't bless you, because it's true. All right. Someone else want to uh, who, hand up? Oh, no. <laughs> well, just, just uh, uh, attend. Oh, Judy. Yeah, Judy. When I think about this, I, I think... But in, in my experience, most of my unhappiness, not all, of course, but most, comes from this idea that I'm some kind of thing, some, a person who is not good at being a person, that my misery is associated with my meanness. And what this does uh, is wipes that clean. It, it wipes out my preoccupation with myself as Judy. And this is quite a long process, deepening process, uh, and it, it doesn't work all the time. I still get caught up in an argument. I still get, if I'm severely criticized, I get hurt and wounded and angry. But over time, I have learned to come here and be open to whatever's going on. And those hurt and rejecting feelings don't come up in the way that they did. When I'm, when I'm being clear, they don't come up. And I've, I'm constantly so delighted with this fact <laughs> that it, in itself it brings happiness. I also think that just being clear and accepting the world and and as it's given is a source of enormous happiness it's saying yes to things to events and people rather than no and and that that makes one happy hmm thank you judy anyone else like to respond to that okay any other another question um hi um, so, does the experience of headlessness improve like a skill, like playing a guitar or learning a sport? 
or is it one a one-off insight that you can access at any time after your first experience of it and what, Thanks, do, you guys. This is what awesome. do you think jane <laughs> <laughs> richard <laughs> um i think it, there's nothing to improve because it just is <laughs> that's what it feels like it feels that when you notice it it's there and you can't improve what is just just is as i was saying <laughs> that's what it feels like to me <laughs> i think what jade said was just uh, very right on really yeah it's just just it's just being yourself I mean, it includes the view out where you're learning all kinds of things all the time and being empty for the view out improves your effectiveness at learning skills, you know, learning the, the piano or, or learning any skill. When you're out of the way, you're attending, you're, you're present, uh, you're, you're including it. When I'm speaking now, my voice I'm noticing is coming out of nowhere. I don't know what it's going to say next. It's always been like that. That's nothing new. But now I'm noticing it's just mysteriously coming out of the silence. Now, how wild is that? You know, so the most ordinary things become creative and exciting and mysterious. And uh, just, just talking, just thinking. You know, imagine a, a blue pyramid now. Well, that just pops up in the great void, doesn't it? I mean, how do you do that? It, it, it's just... Uh, <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I, I'm enthusiastic. All right. Uh, Hank. I think seeing is a skill in the sense that noticing is a skill. It's something that can be developed through familiarity. When I'm walking down the street, I don't notice flowers because I have no real familiarity with them. I haven't practiced it. So flowers all look the same to me. I don't notice it. I just don't notice them. But I'm a musician. So when I'm in a restaurant, I'm listening to the music. Whatever's coming out of the speakers, wherever I am, in a cafe, in an elevator, I'm always noticing what's going on. I'm noticing the chord progressions. I'm noticing all that stuff. But a non-musician wouldn't be noticing that. A gardener would be noticing flowers. So... In the sense that you notice that you can't see your own face, the more familiar you are with that experience, the more you repeat that experience, the more you notice you can't see your own face by familiarity. So in that sense, it's not a perfect analogy, but in that way, it is analogous to learning a skill, learning how to notice flowers learning how to notice chord progressions, learning how to notice what cars are driving down the street if you're interested in cars, whatever it is. Learning to notice that you can't see your own face. And I'll, I'll add to that, uh, that it is infectious. And uh, th that's why we like hanging out together because it's just like infectious. You know, it's just the simplest thing, but we're all seeing the same space. I don't understand the mechanics of it. But, you know, it's just uh, wonderful to, to share with friends. Anyone else want to answer that question? Oh, okay, Karen. 
Yeah, it's it's such a lovely uh, paradox here again, like seeing is full of paradoxes. Like Yates says, you can't improve on uh, on seeing, you can't improve, can't improve this moment uh, when I see. And it's also what Hank says, that seeing does have a kind of a skill in it. And then I come back to what John says, like stepping back into this first identity you know, I can become more skillful at that in the sense that I remember it more often. And as Hank says, it's more familiar to me. And uh, I, I can get, as I, was, as I developed as a personality very skillfully, unfortunately, uh, you can say due to, uh, you know, the pressure of society, I can also skillfully uh, develop... Uh, back in the sense that I am, of course, my first uh, identity already all the time, but realizing it more clearly and living from it. Yeah, you can practice that. That uh, helps a lot. Thank you, Karen. Uh, any other questions, Amir, that or Jade, that catch your attention? Yeah, I thought I could share quickly my perspective on that Yes. last question, which it doesn't my experience of it hasn't been like learning a guitar, but it has been, there were some experiments that made sense to me straight away. And there were some experiments that suddenly after two years I got for the first time. There's an experiment about looking for distance and it never made any sense to me until maybe a month ago. Or there was one we did uh, last week about time. And so while I saw very quickly, there's nothing here, but the, there's aspects of it which I, there seems to be continuously new aspects which I find appreciation for or that I notice, for example, that it's timeless. So it doesn't feel like a skill, but there seems to be an endless, an endless well of realizations that can be had, or at least I haven't come to an end of them. So, but maybe some people get it all straight away. Uh, there's a question from uh, Adam that's been voted They up. don't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on, question. So this is an interesting one. Please could you talk about the difficulties you experienced during the transition? You mentioned previously that you experienced anxiety and panic attacks. I'm assuming that's on the Sam Harris interview. I went through a similar difficulty during transition. There were several occasions where I was in the middle of, say, addressing an audience during a work meeting, and I'd completely lose my sense of depth and self. I'd be stuck between two worlds. Interested to hear your thoughts on transition difficulties. Okay, that's, um, that's a, a good question. I, I think for me personally, uh, transition difficulties go on for the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't think I'm through it yet. And I've, I think that this is wonderful, I mean, challenging and difficult, because if you imagine that you see who you are and then suddenly everything's fine and there are no more problems and you're home and that's it, I mean, well, whether you want that or not, I don't want that. It's not like that. And life is one transition after another there. Here, it, it, nothing changes. So this is a skill, isn't it, of in the present moment, in the present moment, applying awareness of being capacity for the situation and finding out what happens. But be kind with yourself. You know, uh, life is difficult, you know, and don't give yourself a hard time if you're having a hard time. But what we're here to really encourage you to do is the two-way attention while you're having a hard time. 
and also obviously talk to friends, things like that. Someone else feel like uh, responding to that uh, question? Just what comes out of the void? Yeah, I mean, it's a kind of confusion, isn't it? That um, we, everybody, as someone said, is on a plan. You know, we've all, we treat ourselves like a project <laughs> and treat ourselves like project managers. You know, we, we're, we're going to develop and attain things. But this isn't like that. This is a, you know, a one-off epiphany. It's an epiphany to me. You know, once you get it, you get it, you get it. And... Uh, although you know you, you still have problems coming in, someone said to me once, um, "How come if I'm if I'm paying attention to who I really am, that I keep getting bitten by insects? And I want to scratch them, but I, you know I know I mustn't scratch them, kind of thing. So why is this bad thing happening to me? Well, you know the insects don't know <laughs> that you're <laughs> that you're seeing who you really are." <laughs> You know, it's still going to bite you. You'll taste the same as someone else who, who uh, you know, isn't interested. So we get a kind of confusion of our kind of life project of what's going to happen with John and our true identity as this vastness. And as far as we were talking about a minute ago, does it ever stop that you keep, you know, Amir's point about timelessness? That keeps happening. That happens to me every single day. Every single time I go on a Zoom meeting, I hear something new from someone like Hank, which is absolutely brilliant, and it's changed me, you know, to, to hear it put in that way. So the realisations just go on and on and on, and there's absolutely no beliefs. It's not a belief system. Uh, you won't find any beliefs amongst any of us that you've got to memorise and, you know, uh, and uh, adhere to. It's just not like that. It's about a, a continual discovery of this amazing uh, identity of reality. Thank you. Any other questions there? Or, I mean, please, if anyone wants to respond, just put your hand up. I can see everyone on the panel. Ah, uh, uh, Karen. Yes, yes. Um, and I like to add that in a strange way, the, the pains and, uh, and hurts and confusion of, of myself, and, but also of the world, comes in more. In a way, I've noticed I've become more sensitive for them and, uh, you know, hit me harder. And I've, I've been wondering about it. Maybe it's because, you know, I put up less defenses and uh, don't cling to anything so, so much uh, as I did in the past, uh, maybe. But in a way, they're bearable or it's all right, because I see they're all coming from this. They're embedded, uh, they're embedded in the space. And uh, uh, it's strange. It's another of those paradoxes. You think, oh my God, you know, it will be happy and good forever, but not so. Uh, but it's all right. It's, it's really all right. Mm, thank you, Karen. More questions, Amir? We've got about 10 minutes left, so uh, we are moving along here. Maybe I can combine two questions and people can, I'll just call out two and then maybe the panel can answer ones that speak to them. One is like, what are the best exercises to practice from a practical perspective? And then one's 
uh, I get the feeling, the impression that in headlessness, I'm unlearning so many associations I have made. In particular, the way the mind has built a map up of my body. It's somewhat disconcerting, almost a childlike fearfulness of what, it, what to make of it. How do you address the rising up of fears? Thank you. All right. Well, I'll start off and see what comes out of the void. And if anyone else wants to say something, raise your hand. So one was, how do you deal with the fears? And what was the first one? <laughs> what, the first one is, what, what's the best exercise to practice on a practical level? Okay. Uh, I think for me, it's different every day. And uh, let me kind of reiterate something here that the experience is nonverbal and uh, you can't get it wrong. And we've all got it. Everybody here uh, can't, no one can see their face. Instead, they see the world. So I, uh, I think, uh, you know, either pointing is just, you know, that gets me looking rather than just thinking about it and or being uh, with someone and just seeing I'm open for them. And even though I've got all my sensations here that I call my face, it does not get in the way. It's part of the content of awareness. And this is deep and this is never endingly practical. And you, you can, we need this. So I would really say, you know, because, and you'll find, you know, when you are aware that your face is no face with someone, you know, living it, the whole relationship begins to change. I mean, how can it not? Yeah. All right. So, uh, and the fear thing for me is, well, the same, you know, fear to no fear, face to face to no face, fear to no fear, you know, and, and fear will come and go. So who else on the panel is, uh, want, want to respond, see what comes out the great void? Or are you afraid? <laughs> oh, Judy. <laughs> I, I, like Richard, I find that the favorite experiment, the, the flavor of the month, as you might say, varies, it changes. One that just came up, it's quite new for me, actually. Not really new, it's just that I haven't, I'd overlooked it. Came up on one of our Zoom meetings not long ago. And it's just a simple thing that drinking my morning tea and noticing that it goes straight down into the, in, it disappears into the void. And I, I take great delight in this one. And another one is the, the embracing the world. Putting, when you set, when I set these arms right out wide and see that they're big enough to encompass the whole room at this moment and all of you. I just love that one. It's so vivid that here is the capacity for what's seen at this moment and for everything that is. And I find that is a sort of mind-blowing and it's, it's great. And then, of course, there's just this, somebody said not um, one of our meetings again, you can do this without anybody noticing what you're doing, you could be just sort of scratching the back of your no head or something like that. But you can do this anywhere, really, and you don't look too odd, whereas going around like this might be a bit noticeable. Hank? Yes, from a practical perspective, when I'm out and about, I find, for practice, I find 
face to no face, and also what we call seeing through your single eye, which is simply noticing that when you look out, you're not looking out of, you don't have the experience of looking out of two eyes. You have the experience of looking out of a big, almost infinite, borderless window. So those two things from practical, strictly practical point of view, uh, when I'm out and about, are what I practice because I don't want to walk around doing this or walking around with a, uh, a big cardboard tube affixed to my face. And as Judy said, uh, this kind of thing, you know, you can do some things inconspicuously, but from, from a practical standpoint, uh, those are my two favorites. Thank you, Hank. So we've got five minutes. Uh, John. Can I drop in a commercial? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, uh, people are asking about uh, practical, uh, you know, ideas, ways of um, paying attention to this. So um, if you go on the website, um, uh, there's a Zoom meeting that I've been offering on a Monday at eight o'clock UK time. And in that Zoom meeting, we spend the whole time doing the experiment. So uh, you might live quite a distance, uh, depending on which part of the planet you're on, from anywhere where uh, there's a live workshop going on. So this gives you an opportunity of taking part and doing the experiments which um, Hank and Judy and others have been relating to in a, in a, in a setup like this. And it's, it's quite fun. <laughs> in fact, it is profound fun. <laughs> well, since you've done a commercial, which is brilliant, those uh, Monday evening workshops online free with John, uh, we've just produced the universe model again, and this is on sale. There are a limited number, obviously, unlike the universe, and it shows the, the layers of your appearance. So at a certain range, a uh, few feet, you're human, but if we go up to your cellular, molecular, Right, I'm going away. You're maybe a city of uh, the planet. So this is really beautiful. This is designed by Douglas Harding in the 1970s. We've reproduced it, which is on the inside, and, and there's an audio that goes with it. So if you would like one of these fantastic, beautiful, inspiring, <laughs> you just go to uh, uh, the shop and look on the left on the menu, and you'll see Universe Explorer model. So <laughs> I wasn't muted then, was I? <coughs> And I hasten to add, I was use, using the word commercial for comedic value. Okay? Oh. <laughs> there is no charge. All right. So let's just go around. Uh, just a last word from each person, maybe. And uh, just uh, uh, my own response here. Real delight to hang out with my friends and just get a sense of all of you looking out of one single eye with your different responses. And just really heartwarming to connect with you uh, in this one space, which is just so mysteriously undivided and what we all are, you know. So very glad to be here. So who'd like to go next? Just as kind of swan song. John. I'd like to say the, the questions have been fantastic. Um, I don't know if we, if the technology has been able to record the questions, perhaps not, I don't know, but I'd like to reflect on them later because I thought they're, they're really penetrating and uh, you know really productive so thank you very much for those. Yeah just, just to echo 
we've only been able to read out a fraction of the questions. There's lots of really brilliant questions that I would love to hear everyone's opinions on. So if there is a way of capturing them and coming back to them another time. Again, apologies if we didn't get to read out your question. There's lots of brilliant questions I've never seen or thought of and something to come back to. Thank you, Amir. Who'd like to uh, go next? All right, Judy. It's been a real joy to do this. It's been, I feel that there are lots of people out there who are on the same wavelength. And thank you for coming and sharing with this time with us and sharing your same experience that we have. And um, it's just so great to realize that this is catching on and so many people are thinking, wow, this is, this is great. I want to get to know more of this and I want to do, I want to be like this more and more of the time. And it's just wonderful. So thanks, thanks to everybody. Thank you, Judy. Karen? Yes, wonderful. And uh, thanks for the, the, the wonderful questions. Just a short recommendation uh, when you're in a stressy time or not a stressy time, go and walk on a path or on the street and see how everything consistently moves through you. And uh, that has done wonders for me in, uh, in difficult times. Good luck, everybody. Thank you, Jade. I think I'll do Jade. Hi. Yeah, thank you everyone as well. Just one more question is how, how do people find out about the Zoom meetings on Monday? Somebody asked. Uh, You're muted, Richard. Richard. Okay. Uh, do you want to say anything else just about your own experience here, Jade? Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's lovely to feel like I'm not the only one um, in this experience and to have a shared experience with everyone is really great. So thanks for being headless. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, John uh, and then uh, Hank, I know, but John, do you want to say something more about those uh, Monday evenings? Yes, I think the, I saw the question. I think um, you need to go on the Headless Way, okay? So headless.org. If you Google a Headless Way, um, you'll get to the website. And on there, there's Richard's email. So you can contact Richard if you want to be sent the links to all the meetings that happen throughout the week at different points on the planet, um, which are normal um, uh, Zoom chat meetings. Uh, and uh, there's also on, on the landing page, there's a link through to the Monday ones, which are you know, the experiment based ones. So thank you. Thank you. And Hank? Terrific questions, terrific comments. Thanks to everyone who participated and take the plunge and attend some of the online meetings. Wonderful. And just say every so often, I notice someone I know in the chat, Jackie, Annabelle, lots of people that uh, I, I can't mention now, but just marvelous to have you here and everyone here. So I think we'll do this again and uh, just uh, uh, what fun. All right. So uh, go headless. <laughs> Thank you.